RVN. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Filling in for Susan Littlefield, I'm Chad Moyer. Today we're joined by Arlen Suderman from Stonex. Arlen, thanks for joining us here on a day before uh, a day before a holiday, day before Thanksgiving. We're going to set up the rest of the week here uh, in the second half of the program and kind of what we're going to be in store with for that uh, short trading day on Friday. But first of all, just some overall thoughts, uh, a commentary on today's program or for today's trade uh, grains were slightly higher going into thanksgiving just overall uh, what are your thoughts on today's grain trade arlen yeah, from a producer standpoint they always like seeing prices go higher so it's a little bit more of a positive slant to it end users don't like it so much um but uh it, you know we we kind of finished on a more firmer tone for the day and um that was a positive for the markets but unfortunately i can't say there's a lot driving behind it um, so, you know, we're already in holiday mode here now with the markets being closed on Thursday for Thanksgiving and just a shortened session on Friday. So that means that a lot of traders already left. So they're exiting positions and a lot of those positions have been short or sold. So they're getting out of some of those positions. There's also option expiration for the December options on Friday. And so that means that uh, when there's a lack of other news to really drive things is what we're seeing now. A lot of times the market will try to move things toward the nearest strike price where there's a lot of um, a lot of open interest, shall we say, of puts and calls because um, there's profitable for them to do so if they have positions. So we did see a little bit of that movement as well. And finally, there's some seasonality to it. There is somewhat of a seasonal tendency. It doesn't happen every year. That's somewhat of a seasonal tendency for corn, soybean, and wheat prices to firm between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so some people may be putting on some positions um, just so they have some ownership here for the next several weeks into these markets. Um, but overall, not a lot of new new fresh news to really drive things today. Yep. All right. Let's take a few of those and expand on them a little bit, Arlen, if you can. And, and about that option expiration at the end of the week for that uh, uh, for that uh, corn contract. Uh, in, anything that you can take out of that? Uh, you know, what what are traders thinking moving forward? Because there's not a whole lot of carry. You know, from from one futures contract to the next. Uh, is there an attitude? Are you seeing a certain amount of buying at any certain given strike price to give any uh, indication where uh, the trade thinks it's going to go after option expiration? Well, after option expiration, we just have the seasonal tendency and then we'll be watching some other factors. But the strike prices we're watching right now for December corner, that 660 and 670 strike price, um, and uh, we obviously pushed above the 660 strike price uh, to close out trade on the today on this Wednesday. Um, but what will we do on Friday? We may pivot back to it, or we could shoot on up to the 670. It's possible we could fall to the 650, but uh, uh, the, this market is is really trying to find one of those strike prices. It's going to be the easiest path to go to. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you talked about the seasonality, and it's it feels like this winter seasonality got started a little early uh, since harvest got done so quickly, especially in the western corn belt. Uh, can you explain what that is looking like uh, this year, and and why that is significant going uh, Christmas to thanks or from Thanksgiving to Christmas? 
Yeah, and, and certainly the seasonality of bases has been a bigger factor. I was asked in an interview earlier today, you know, what we should be watching, what a producer should be watching on the board. And I said, frankly, I think you need to be watching basis more than the board unless something else happens to create a headline here. Uh, the board may not move as much as the basis, and that's going to depend on where you're located. Certainly the greatest strength is in the Western High Plains uh, feedlot district where there's a, a significant shortage of feed um, over the coming year because of the drought that we've uh, experienced and the reduction of production of corn as well as grain sorghum only having about half a crop and and also feed wheat uh, supplies being tight as well, all combined about a drop of a billion bushels in the major feedlot states. So there's some significant tight shortfalls there. Just kind of monitoring some of the basis, uh, particularly in the southwest feedlot district we were seeing in the middle of harvest um, basis at Garden City, Kansas, being at 2, 210, 215 per bushel over the December board. Uh, that has eased back a little bit now to to about a buck eighty above, but that's pretty still historically very strong levels. And what that's doing is trying to pull corn south and west from the eastern Midwest, from the from the north and the east, trying to pull it this direction. And the fact that the uh, the river markets have been struggling with uh, Mississippi having low water levels has really helped them do that and helped them do it at a lower basis level. So that's one reason we've seen Garden City basis start to soften, albeit still strong, is because of the lack of competition from the Mississippi River. Uh, so there's been a lot of trains being uh, filled up in Illinois, et cetera, in order to ship that grain to the western feedlots. All right, just very quickly here, as far as deferred basis, you know, if uh, producers are looking at deferred delivery into next year, is basis holding up as strong in early 23? Well, right now, the the push is to get it near term. That's the demand. Um, but I would say from a historical standpoint, we're still seeing some pretty solid basis offers, particularly in the West. Uh, the real concerns is going to be coming up April, May of next year. In fact, we've been hearing stories of processors trying to put out some pretty strong bids for next summer's delivery already, worried that supplies will be dried up by then. All right, very interesting. Okay, Arlen, we'll continue this conversation in the uh, second half of our program, talk a little bit about what's going on in livestock and uh, what's happening in South America as well, and then set up the short trading session for Friday as well. It's all coming up in the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell again today with Arlen Sooderman from Stonex. Stay tuned. The second half is coming up in just a moment on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Eric Wasini as part of a three-man crew for Peterson Livestock based in Oxford, Nebraska. So, Eric, you used to be a district man for Fontenelle Hybrids. Now, as a dealer, tell us what makes Fontenelle stand out above other local seed brands. I think a lot of it, as far as what really makes Fontenelle stand out, is our product lineup. Dealing with bear and what we get from a genetic lineup. In my area, it's a lot with soybeans specifically. We've got a big issue with iron deficiency chlorosis. Um, and we've got several different beans, different maturities that work extremely well going up and down the hills. Um, we run into in Furnace and Arlen County. And so it's, it's really nice to have the depth of product selection that we have. 
For more on product selection, you can contact Eric Wasenius of Peterson Livestock based out of Oxford, Nebraska, or contact your local Fontenelle dealer or go to Fontenelle RVM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Once again, I'm Chad Moyer and joined with Arlen Suderman from Stonex in Arlen. Uh, let's continue our uh, conversation about uh, the impacts of the grain and uh, can't, uh, you know, really should be paying attention, right, to what's going on in, in South America. Do they have a, a political plan here that could make some waves in grains again? Now, there's a couple of things in both Argentina and Brazil. Uh, first of all, uh, President Bolsonaro of uh, Brazil lost his re-election bid by a very, very narrow margin here um, a few weeks back. And uh, his supporters have been build, putting up blockades across the country. And it's made the media a lot. It really hasn't impacted exports too much because this is a slow export season for them. If these continue into January, that could be a different story. So that's something we'll have to watch. The Bolsonaro camp has challenged the election now. Um, pointing out some potential f- fraud or problems with some of the, uh, I think I saw 25,000 election machines or something like that. Uh, yeah, our team doesn't think that that will go anywhere, um, but it does say that things are going to remain volatile for a while. So as I said, if this continues to build into January, then it could be a significant issue. We go further south into Argentina and uh, we remember back in September where they had a pesos for soybeans program where the Argentine government needed dollars in order to make it uh, to build its foreign exchange reserve so it could make debt payments uh, on its dollar denominated debt. And so it encouraged farmers to sell their soybeans and said, if you sell your soybeans, we will give you 200 pesos for every dollar's worth of soybeans you sell. In other words, they sell their soybeans priced on dollars and then exchange it for pesos. And that was well above, I think, the exchange rate at that time was like 150. So it was a significant advantage for the farmers to do that. And about 12 million metric tons got dumped onto the market. Most of Argentina's soybeans get crushed, and then they export the meal or the oil. But China saw the opportunity, rushed in, and grabbed several million metric tons of those cheap soybeans then. And that displaced U.S. soybeans this fall at a time when we normally would have the export market. And that's one of the reasons our exports hurt this fall. Well, now Argentina is rumored to be considering doing the program again in December. So Chinese buyers have told us they've backed off of buying U.S. soybeans because if Argentina does this again, they can get their needs for December and January filled with cheaper Argentine beans. And they probably need another 9 million metric tons or maybe up to that much to buy again. They won't get all that from Argentina, but maybe a significant amount of it. Um, and uh, that would displace U.S. soybeans and hurt our exports if they do so. Um, so that's something we need to watch closely going forward um, is those two developments from Argentina and Brazil. All right. Very good. Yeah, we'll continue to follow that and see uh, if there is any sort of progress on that. Quicking, uh, quickly uh, going over to the uh, mercantile here, um, we saw higher cash trade in the country. Cash cattle, what, three to four higher this week by the looks of it, uh, but uh, didn't see any positive reaction in the futures. What's going on in the meats today? Yeah, I think it was a case. Well, if you look at the December contract, 
It traded as high as 154.72 and as low as 153.22. Um, but the cash trade in the country in Kansas and, and Texas uh, traded about 155 today, as you said. So uh, three, four dollars higher than the previous week. Good, strong trade overall. Uh, a good program. The cash demand is there. We're going to have a full Packer schedule next week as we get back past the holidays. Uh, the demand for beef is there, and if we look at the cold storage report that came out earlier this week, we're not running out of meat supplies, but we are seeing that those supplies are getting a little bit tighter um, than what we normally expect for this time of year. So we're seeing good consumer demand there providing some support. All right. Now, just as we kind of wrap up here, um, uh, kind of set up this uh, trading session on Friday. It is a short session. There's no overnight trade in front of it. I don't think there's uh, uh, so it's just going to be, um, you know, from 830 till just afternoon. Uh, what could we see on Friday? What should we be prepared for? Yeah, be prepared for thin trade. If there happens to be a news story, it could mean some erratic movement because of the thin volume. Um, open at 830 Central Time and close at 1205. Um, in the Chicago market, so relatively short and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of probably drifting prices unless we have some type of uh, a news story that breaks and everyone lines up on the same side. There won't be many people really participating. All right, very good. Arlen, it's good to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. If folks would like to follow along with you on what you're doing and uh, kind of uh, get some insight into uh, your thoughts in the markets, how can they follow along with you? At StoneX.com or follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. All right. Good to have you on. Thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Again, we've been visiting with Arlen Suderman from Stonex on today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, uh, trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss. It might not be suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealers. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.